Hello, this is Tom Brevoort. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. Yes, loonies, welcome back. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. I am your host, the High Priest of Conchu, Ray. And with me tonight, I have a very special guest, no stranger to the show. Uh, he featured last in episode 142. Uh, so we're in 151 now, so it's been a long time between drinks. Josh. Geronimo! Johnson, Josh, welcome. How are you going? Oh, I'm doing good, man. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, good. It's good to have you. And, and again, uh, a big thank you for the early morning start for you. But, you know, might I say, for those that can see the video, you're looking quite, you know, quite refreshed for someone waking up at, what, about 6.30 in the morning? <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> <laughs> i just been naturally getting up uh, even before 5 o'clock today just by myself, so... That's fantastic. That's good. Most of the damn cats that get me up early. <laughs> yes, Oh man, uh, the last few weeks our cats have been crying about two o'clock in the morning, scratching at Jeez. our door. Um, so the last few nights I've been putting Flip, Flip's one of our cats, just been chucking him in the bathroom um, at, at the other end of the house, <laughs> just for those extra few hours in the morning to actually give us a little bit of bit of respite. But uh, yeah, I totally know what you mean. Um, the cats are more troublesome than than like a, a two-year-old so <laughs> um yeah yeah you and i both have it uh but loonies thank you for for joining us uh, this is the other side of the big 150 that we had last week i uh, had that great special guest there tom brevoort it was so fun to speak to him as well as special guests co-hosts phil and Saren from the collective um so this is i like to say it's a new era uh, we've got a few new segments not so much tonight Tonight we have a, um, it will be a waxing crescent, so if you look up into the moon, into the night sky, uh, you will notice it is a waxing crescent, and that will give us a Lunar Pick Modern Run review, and we'll be, Josh and I will be looking at Moon Knight, Volume 5, Issue 7, it's Part 1 of Midnight Sun, it's called The Woodwork. Uh, Josh, this will be a little different from your usual um, stints on the show, because uh, I like to call you... Um, the custodian for the the older the eighties uh, uh, you know era for Moon Knight, but this is a bit more of a modern one for you. Yeah, I think the only other one that I've been on that's been made like in the time that I've been alive has been the uh, I think we did uh, the first issue of From the Dead, but all the other that's ones right. have been from like the eighties or nineties. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a, a, a huge handle on the eighties and nineties stuff. Um, it would be really good to, to get your thoughts on more of a modern take because this is very different from the likes of uh, even the Mark Spector uh, Moon Knight, which which um, you did last, I believe, which was, what was it, 40, 49, something like that, 48, 49, maybe uh, 50. I was 30, 38. 38. 38. Thirty-nine and forty. Thirty-nine forty with Doctor yeah. Doom. So very nineties, but yeah, this will be good. Um, it, it's a Charlie Houston, David David Finch run. Uh, before we go on any further, as usual, I like to thank the Patroonies, such as Josh himself, um, 
for throwing some support over uh, for the show. It's a, it's a really, uh, really great gesture. And of course, you know, just, just you loonies listening is a great thing and, and we very much appreciate it. Um, uh, so we have the patronies, Dustin, Wayne, Justin, Joey, Josh on the show now, James, Russell and Anthony. Uh, thank you so much, guys. You're, you're doing really good um Great stuff. You're allowing us to kind of spread our wings. Uh, also, a couple of sponsors. Hello Headphones, uh, empowering gamers to play at their best. A big thank you to them. And also sponsors Dreamland Comics from Illinois, the superhero superstore. Josh, have you... Do, do you venture to... I'm a, again, my geography for US is, is really terrible. Do, do you ever venture to, to Illinois? Is that is that somewhere near you? No. Uh, uh, it's a couple states away out west, but the furthest I've ever gone has been to Ohio, and okay. Illinois is a couple of states away from there. But okay. I've never gone very, very far west. <laughs> oh, okay, well, well uh, maybe this these sponsors can entice you, Josh. Um, we'll give them a shout out <laughs> at the end of the show. Uh, really good incentives, and and a big thanks for them for um for the for being sponsors. Uh, Anyway, so as I mentioned, before we get into the show, the modern uh, modern run with Charlie Houston and uh, David Finch, it's really, actually, this is very cool, Josh, as well. It's, it's fortuitous. This is an issue that sees the return of Jeff Wilde, um, and I believe you and I have at least us we both have had discussions on on Midnight. Um, he's quite a classic character. Uh, this, I believe, is the latest and the last that we'll hear from him, right? Um, like 99% sure. Yeah, 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 unless he's popped up somewhere. But he, um, uh, so so this is good. It'll be good to, a, a nice little continuing thread um, with, with you, Josh. Um, but before any of that, a little bit of idle chat. Like to give some, some loonies, some, I know, recommendations and reads. Uh, any Anything on your, on your pull list or your reading at the moment that you'd like to maybe mention to, to loonies to pick up uh well I've, well I've been reading a couple things um because like i've mentioned before i my brain goes on this weird schedule when it comes to the stuff that i'm into at certain times of the year so since the summertime is when i'm really big into like my history and war stuff so mm-hmm. i've been reading some war related marvel stuff so uh, a couple weeks ago i read the one of my invaders classic trade paperbacks that collects the uh collected the last few issues of the initial invaders run oh i think i remember you yeah. mentioning that in the epic collection group right yeah yeah yep yeah yep. so so i read that and it also collected there they had a four issue miniseries in the 90s of that too um so like there's only like five issues of the uh like the 70s run and then they crammed those other four issues in so i read that and it was okay it was uh it's so how try to describe it. I mean, it is funny, but it's like, oh yeah, it's like World War Two, but it's like if superheroes fought in it also, yeah. and obviously, obviously that's what it is. But, um, but and in contrast to that, I'm also reading uh, my Sergeant Fury and Italian Commandos. Oh yeah, that essential. I've yep. been reading that too. So it's a nice little contrast between super powered and ridiculously costumed to sort of goofy, but still. Yeah, you know, realish war uh, stuff, and that's pretty fun. And yeah. and in contrast to some of uh, the other like '60s Marvel stuff that I've read recently, like the Daredevil epic that we talked about last time, mm. one like this stuff is a lot 
Sergeant Fury is a lot easier to read, in my opinion. Oh, that Daredevil is pretty hard in the '60s, right? That it's, yeah. um, it's small doses, really. Yeah. Yeah, but but this one, it's like I'm kind of I'm still taking me a while just because it has so much dialogue. It's just the '60s, but I'm still going through it pretty quickly, and um, I don't know. Maybe it's just because when it comes to stuff like Daredevil and superheroes, you have to set up like your ridiculous villain and his motivation, whatever. Yeah. Whereas with Swords of Fury, it's you know who the the uh, antagonist is Nazis, yeah. And, <laughs> that just writes itself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest as well, because I've been... Um, so Josh and I, we, we do uh, like our collected editions and epics and stuff. Um, I I must say that, because uh, I recently read, I think, the first volume of Captain America, the epic collection, uh, Captain America Lives Again, uh, and that was in the 60s. I found that a lot easier to read than Daredevil. Um, I, I, I still think Daredevil's a little... I don't know, it's, it's really... I know. I guess they were trying to sell him, like really his his character. Um, whereas Captain America had that history as well. And I, I also read the first, not the first volume. I think it's volume four of Thor, uh, the the epic collection. Um, and I think that was around the sixties, if not like towards the late sixties. Um, and again, I found that like that was uh, Kirby and Lee, and I found that really um, a really fun read. But I guess because it's so over the top, you know, cosmic and gods and stuff, um, it, it kind of um, lessens the blow of, of the wordiness and, and stuff, whereas Daredevil's, he's literally at that stage, he's just a guy really in a suit. Uh, he doesn't, he's not even um, ninja status at that stage. He's, he's just like a swashbuckling kind of fighter. Um, so right. it's really hard, I think, in that era to make him kind of really interesting. And it gets very, um, very wordy as well. So, um <laughs> Yeah, uh, cool. I mean, look, I uh, as as mentioned as well, been I've been following some epic collections. I've I've started. I've just finished um, a collection of Ghost Rider by Daniel Way, two thousand and six. So around the same time as as the comic that we're going to be reviewing now, um, I read his arc, uh, his series, which was about nineteen issues. Very easy. Um, if you're talking about Daredevil um, and small doses, I read the Ghost Rider collection in about um two days it was um uh you know there's a lot of nice visuals less dialogue it was a lot of fun um i thought that was good uh also i'm i'm cracking into thor again so looking at thor uh 383 to 400 that's in the epic collection war of the pantheons that's around 1987 uh that's one of my favorites like ron franz art um tom defalco i think on on, uh, writing duties um I'm going to give a go to Star Wars. I'm not really a Star Wars reader. I'm just like a... I like the movies. I'm not like a huge fan of Star Wars, but I thought I'd give the comics a go. Uh, so the early Dark Horse comics, um, The Old Republic, apparently is pretty good, so I'm going to give that one a go. Uh, I've taken out my old floppies for Daredevil Last Rites. It's a 90s nice. thing, yeah, leading up to 300. I know there's an epic collection coming out uh, around December, I think, that will collect that, but I just want to reread it anyway. Um... There's also, let me see, sorry, I've just flipped my, um, uh, also, yeah, a few digitals, um, this is just a little bit of homework because jumping on some other shows and such, Judge Dredd versus Predator, I don't know if you ever like that sort of stuff, Josh, I'm, uh, I'm really, uh, nah, nah, really, no, no, I've nev- never, never seen anything regarding either of those two. <laughs> you haven't seen any Predator? Oh, you have got to nope. see the 1987 Arnie Schwarzenegger movie, seriously. It's one of my favorites. It's really cool. Um, 
Masters of the Universe. I'm going. I'm going for that by James Robinson. It's a DC uh, release. That was. Um, that looks pretty good. They just released an omnibus for that, but um, I don't know. I just thought that'd be pretty cool. Uh, and All Star Superman as well. Um, that, that's always um, fun to read. I'm doing that on the other podcast, Last Sons of Krypton. So, uh, so plenty of reading between the two of us, loonies. Uh, go check it out for sure. Uh, all of these will be in the show notes in case you happen to be interested in any of them. Um, are you picking up any? Are you picking up any current reads? Uh, current. I mean, there's only they're starting to trickle out now, aren't they? Yeah. Um, my my store only just opened last week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't gotten to I haven't gotten to it yet because I know I have a couple. Uh, so I have a couple issues there. Um, the only current thing I picked up was the the Avengers thirty three, mm-hmm. which um, because that week uh that was what they came out with two weeks ago or something like that mm-hmm. we happened to be making our daily trip out to pittsburgh that day and out there things are a little bit better so the we get like the day we went out there is the day everything opened back up which oh, nice. worked out good so yeah. i went to this comic book store there and i got that one yeah. um but that's the only new thing i've read so okay. far yeah well i mean incidentally did well, what did you think of that that issue um a lot of a lot of setup. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of cool stuff. I'm sure it all all makes sense once we read more. Mm-hmm. Um, but at first, it's like, oh, he's sort of just going after everybody for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really liked him and Iron Fist going at it. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that design too, where yeah. he just had just the the full mask on, but he had like the the stuff wrapped the around his arms. Yeah. Yeah. Like I thought that was a pretty cool design. It was a little bit of a nod to I don't know I thought the like you know mummies and Egyptian you know but also yeah, martial right. martial arts as well so he's got the bandages um, yeah that's really cool it, it certainly does hit the ground running um, we'll get to our the comic book review tonight but um, again I, if I thought setup issue here I think affected the um, uh, the experience for me um so may not the, the, what we're going to be reading tonight because mm-hmm. uh, it is very much a setup issue as well um but yeah. but i found the avengers 33 as a setup because it hit the ground running there's just so much action it's just so much in your face uh, I, I don't know i just really enjoyed that ride but um anyway yeah uh that's pretty cool speaking of avengers uh so for a couple of white noise we've just got a couple of bits of news here josh um Nothing too much to discuss, only that the uh, September solicitations for Marvel um, were released, and amongst a whole load of new comics, which I'm sure everyone's very happy for, uh, the cover for Avengers 36 was released, and uh, did you see this, Josh? It had Moon Knight uh, fighting Black Panther. Yeah, I thought it looked pretty cool. That's always uh, that's always an interesting like matchup but i never never would yeah never really would have thought of mm. but uh it also just reminded me of uh a, an episode we did like a couple what a year and a half ago where there was a rumor that oh moon knight's gonna appear in black panther 2 or something like that and uh, it just made me think of that <laughs> yeah actually i forgot about that rumor totally um but yeah you're right yeah i, I like the um that was one of the I guess for those that have read 33, you'd know that Moon Knight's after the uh, the Avengers 1 million BC, and uh, he, he grabs a few of them, like Iron Fist, uh, Doctor Strange, but Black Panther was one that he hadn't 
been able to overcome because T'Challa was saying, you know, the, the magic is in my blood. For some reason, he can't extract it, you know, compared to mm-hmm. to, uh, to Danny Rand, who I believe them. I don't know how magic works, Josh. There's a, there's a particular <laughs> science to it, but apparently you can't get T'Challa's. Uh, so it'll be very interesting to see uh, how he takes on T'Challa. If he can beat Thor, man, um, I don't think he'll have any problem with T'Challa, but whether or not he he's able to get his power, we don't know. He still he still is looking for the Phoenix Force and um, and Starbrand as well, so uh, he hasn't got the whole kind of set yet. Uh, so I yeah. feel like such I feel like such an idiot. I didn't put any of that together until you just mentioned it. That everyone he went after, oh, really? was tied into the <laughs> Avengers one million BC or whatever. Yeah, because oh. I'm so out of I'm so out of the Avengers loop. Yeah, because sure. I dropped it after like ten issues or something like that. I'm yeah. so out of it. I completely forgot about that until you just mentioned it. I feel oh. like such an idiot. <laughs> oh, look, yeah, you you wouldn't know. I mean, if you aren't an Avengers reader, you you wouldn't know much about the, the million BC anyway. Um, so yeah, un- understandable that it wouldn't cross your mind because, uh, yeah. But um, yeah, so so we'll see. Thirty six uh, looks pretty cool. Uh, I guess uh, the thirty four comes out. I think mid July. So we've got uh, you know three three weeks or so. Till, till that comes out, um, which we'll review, of course. Um, the second bit of news, it's rumour, though, and I uh, I got a little uh, tap on the shoulder here from Phil. Again, Drop King Phil, he sent me this. Uh, apparently, Marvel are casting a, a deaf Native American hero for the Disney Plus series, and number one, there is a high potential, if this is true, that it could be linked to, to Moon Knight because everyone seems to be pointing their fingers to, to Echo. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and she, we all know that she's had a little bit of a stint in the Brian Michael Bendis run. She's typically in the Daredevil world, but she can fit easily in the Moon Knight world, more so than Miss Marvel or She-Hulk. So if this is true, um, maybe this could be the first casting we get for Moon Knight, Josh. Yeah, I think that would be the one to make the most sense. I don't really know any other deaf, no. normal heroes except that. I mean, I was trying to pick any other, like, even Native American heroes mm-hmm. um, or oh. characters. And there's only, like, a couple, but none of them fit the deaf no. mold. So, yeah, I guess that I guess that would be the obvious uh, assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, the only ones I can... Th- think of uh whole guy but he's you know he's not native american he's 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 deaf and uh and native american was puma from spider-man thomas fireheart oh, yeah. um uh-huh. and red wolf the only two ones are re- oh and uh and um um like shaman and talisman from alpha flight as well i think so there are a few but yeah they're not deaf so yeah, the only other one I know of is um, what's his? I think it's his name is Portal. I think. Okay. He appeared in uh, the Darkhawk series. Oh, nice! In the nineties, in and he's the only he's the only other one I could think of. But, oh wow! Yeah. Well, but again, he's not deaf. I don't think. No. So I mean, if you, it just makes sense if this rumor is true. Won't validate it or anything on this show. We're just stating that this is the rumor that we've come across. Uh, but it would be pretty cool if if it is Echo. I like Echo. Do you? I mean, her, her character is pretty cool. Um, she has photographic memory sim- reflexes. Sorry, similar to uh, Taskmaster. Um, so she can actually 
in the Daredevil run, she watches a, say, a pianist, and then she kind of actually emulates his concert piano playing, fighting abilities, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so it'll make it pretty, um, pretty cool. Um, what, what did you think of her take in the Brian Michael Bendis run? Uh, I gotta be honest. I've never read the bar oh, the, that haven't. run at all. Oh. No, I have not. Oh. I mean, I've listened to your episodes about it, but yeah, there's yeah. A, a difference between hearing someone talk about it and yes. reading it yourself. Absolutely. So I have no opinions or knowledge of okay. any of it. I'd, I'd highly recommend. I mean, you and I again know how um, polarizing the Bendis run is. It's worth a read, um, and uh, and he does echo well because hey, he created it so. Um, he knows exactly how she's meant to be portrayed. So, um, so there you go. Only um, a couple of a couple of bits of news there, loonies. But I don't know. Something to maybe whet your appetite of what might be well, what's coming up ahead. Um, but why don't we, Josh, take a quick break, and then we can focus on our uh, our lunar pick modern run review. All right. All right, Looney, so we'll be right back after this quick break. Uh, A couple of messages from our fellow collectives, and, uh, yep, see you on the other side. Hey, everyone. This is Brian, the host of Inner Demons, the Ghost Rider podcast. And since 2017, Inner Demons has been the best place on the web for news, reviews, and regular discussion with our listeners about Marvel's Spirit of Vengeance, Ghost Rider. You can find us on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast catchers, as well as on Twitter, at InnerDemonsGR. Remember, listening to your Inner Demons is not always a bad thing. Ride on. House of L. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. We are two of the many, many survivors of Krypton's destruction, and we have made our home in Australia, and dare I say have become Australians, for better or worse. But we have also decided to read Superman comics, read Superman books, watch Superman shows, cartoons, movies, basically everything Superman, and from an Australian perspective as well. Whether you're a seasoned fan, like me, or whether you are coming in fresh, wide-eyed, and wanting to learn more like me, then this podcast is for you. Join us for our bi-weekly adventures available on all good podcast catches. So just search for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. We'll be coming to you from Australia, or some cosmic dimension, wherever we are that week. Up, 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 up and, and away! away. Yes, welcome back, Looney listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast. This is episode 151. I'm joined by Josh Johnson, and we are looking at a Lunapic modern run review. As mentioned, it's a waxing crescent up in the sky, so, you know, take your cameras out, take a photo. I'm not lying. 
Um, it's true. <laughs> and, um, anyway, uh, we'll be looking at Moon Knight Volume 5, Issue 7. It is the, a new arc for, for Charlie Houston and David Finch. It's Midnight Sun, Part 1, subtitled The Woodwork. Uh, and uh, it's available as a floppy um, or a trade paperback. Now, the trade paperbacks and the hardcovers are a little hard to come by these days. I think they're out of print, so you might have to look at um, third-party um, sellers. Uh, but it did come out as a trade paperback or as a hardcover edition. Um, for the Petrunis, probably see it behind me. I've, I've got like just one of the hard. They came with a couple of hardcovers. Um, I don't know why, but um, I've got that one over there. Uh, also, easily accessible through Marvel Unlimited or if you want to buy a digital version on Comixology. Um, this was published in January 2007. And uh, writer Charlie Houston, penciler David Finch, inkers Daniel, uh, Danny Mickey with Crime Lad Studios, colorist Frank D'Amata, letterer Joe Caramagna, editor Corey Settlemeyer, and Axel Alonso. Now, for listeners, first-time listeners, uh, so Josh and I will go through a synopsis or a bare bones, which gives you a, a, a summary of the issue, just in case you haven't got it. And, uh, and then that will be followed by, uh, we'll kind of break it down, have an informal discussion on writing, art, themes, characterizations, and references to any run, and we'll cap it off with a moon rating out of 10. Um, so also for the benefit of the Patrunis on video, which they have access, exclusive access to, um, we'll be throwing up the the panels and the, the pages for you to uh, to refer to as we discuss it. So, new feature. I'm very happy. Took me a long time to find all this stuff, and then it was actually, you know when you go around and around the clock, um, Josh, I, I went to all these different sites trying to find it, you know, programs that you have to pay for. Then I found out that Skype actually has a recording capability it's like oh it's that easy now so uh, it's you know the most simple thing and it's the best so patrunis um i hope you enjoy it anyway uh so let's get to the bare bones this is courtesy of of wiki um thank you wiki uh yeah josh do you want to take it away all right So, Moon Knight goes out on a standard night's patrol. Spider-Man conveniently shows up just as Moon Knight apprehends a petty criminal. Spidey is shocked to see Moon Knight brutalizing the thug and tries to calm him down. Moon Knight dismisses him, however, and quickly leaves the scene. Inside of his personal limo, Mark Spector is still haunted by images of Bushman. The dead mercenary appears to be sitting next to Mark, whimsically chatting to him as Samuels drives Mark back to his estate. Elsewhere, a mysterious, star-clad stranger converses with a woman in shadowy underground lair. The stranger speaks at length about gaining revenge against someone and drops an alarm clock down into the depths of the cavern. The clock lands on a pile of similar broken timepieces, all of which are set for the same time, midnight. Later, after a restless and painful night's sleep, Mark drives out to meet with Frenchie. He wants Frenchie to work with him again as mechanic and pilot of the Mooncopter. Frenchie has no interest in returning to his old lifestyle. The two men go to Jenna's diner, but Jenna is not happy to see Mark. She still blames him for the death of her son. Mark speaks with Jenna's surviving son, uh, who served as a pilot in Iraq. Frenchie brings Mark back into the mansion and shows him a newspaper clipping. The headline reads, Clock Killer Claims Third. 
Frenchie tells Mark to find Jeffrey Wilde, the cyborg once known as Midnight. When Mark steps into his den, he finds Steve Rogers, the renegade hero known as Captain America, waiting for him. Yeah, so um, uh, a, a pretty um, involved first uh, part to this to this arc. Um, before we get into any of it, Josh, um, just overall, uh, what did you what did you make of of this first issue? Uh, well, like, like I said before, it's, it's a very set up issue. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, yeah, not very much happens. But, I mean, overall, I thought it was okay. Um, mm-hmm. As I was reading this, it sort of jogged my memories of, like, the rest of, like, this little arc. And then I kind of remember that I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, but, you know, obviously it sees, us the, sees the return of Midnight. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, more stuff we'll get into, but yeah, I, was, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great, but it was okay. Yeah, I mean, this first issue very much, and it's just really hard to to make, I guess, set up issues really interesting. Um, this was again, I loved, I loved the art. I thought that was that was great. Um, we we get starting to get ties in references to Civil War, which is a massive thing happening around at the moment. So we got Spider Man, we have Captain America at the at the end. As you say, yeah, nothing much really happens. It's really kind of Mark just um, touching base again with his support network uh, and trying to trying to get the band back together, for, for want of a better word, uh, better phrase. But uh, yeah, it's. Um, I, I thought there were a couple of um, interesting points other than the main thread. So uh, I've got down here the plot. So basically the main thing is is Mark. Um, so for those who have read the bottom, uh, he had reached the bottom. Uh, he had distanced all his friends and stuff. And now it's about him trying to reconnect with them. I think that's the, the, the essence of this. Um, and and if, if he goes to Frenchie first because... As much of a lone wolf as Moon Knight is, he he really still needs the likes of Frenchie to 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 drive the the Mooncopter. You know, one of the big things for Moon Knight is to swing down on that rope ladder uh, and have Frenchie come in and, and pick him up or whenever or drop him off places. He can't do that at the moment. He's only just come back on board. He's got no wheels and no mode of transport, and so there's that. Um, there's also. Um, I guess him just re- really trying to reconnect because we saw earlier on in uh, the bottom arc, um, the, the friction between him and Frenchie as well. So th- there's a little bit, there's more of a, like a patching up of that, of that friendship. And, and surprisingly as well, it's, it's a little um, obscure, uh, a little uh, vague, but after all that, Frenchie still kind of decides to, to help him, you know, during this issue. He kind of concedes and, and says, you know, well... Um, you know, if I'm back, then what, what, you want me to fix the mooncopter? You want me to pilot it? You know, that sort of thing. So he doesn't say no. He actually gets into the limousine with Mark and, you know, he's kind of wanting to do it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I found the Frenchie stuff quite interesting as well. Um, I found uh, the stuff with Jenna, again, it, um, quite interesting because we get a big thing here of uh, Ricky is actually dead. Which is a big thing, because mm-hmm. I don't think he's been killed in any of the other um, volumes which came before this. 
No, but I think it's a, that's a very like sort of reactionary thing. Like at the time, like what's going on, uh, like in real life, and mm-hmm. um, and just to like okay, well, we'll make him because even Janet does point out that oh, you fill this head with uh, all these stories of war and battle and all this stuff, and then he got interested in it, and then like he got, went and, and you know signed up, and then he got killed because of it, which is probably I think that happens a lot in real life. Mm. over the course of human history and then that just happened to be a uh, the, the Iraq conflict that was going on just happened to be what was going on at the time mm. I mean there's very much and what Houston does with that of course is he causes that that friction and the breakup between Mark and Jenna that's the um, uh, the impetus for, for, for Jenna to not well to actually hate Mark because he hasn't actually after that and, and after in Jenna's um narrative in her head it was mark that was the one that kind of as you mentioned kind of coaxed ricky into that world and then he pursued it um then when he died she didn't hear anything from him at all from mark so um it's it, there's a sense of abandonment there from jenna and she's very um she's very like heated and and um upset at him uh even to the point where uh there's that little bit where mark where frenchie says to mark don't call me frenchie and Mark goes, well, Jenna called you French. He goes, yeah, she can do whatever she wants because she <laughs> she has the right to, but not you, you know? Um, mm, right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, and I don't know, what did you think of, of Frenchie's uh, almost about face, I reckon? Because he was so angry in the first arc. Like, maybe he's just right. sat down. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe, I mean, I guess what we saw in that first arc was sort of just like his like initial reaction or whatever, because that happens where like, if, you know, you come across someone who, you know, did you wrong or like a friend maybe who did you wrong or something like that. And like, you're real pissed off right away. But then after time, you sort of get over it. And, um, and obviously Frenchie, he says that he's not going to fully get back into, you know, being Mark's sidekick, but he'll at least help him get started. Mm-hmm. Like he'll go like, okay, I'll come over and I'll make sure the moon cop really starts and I'm not going to go out there in the field with you, but I'll give you somebody. I'll lead you to somebody who will. Yeah, and that's yeah. why he goes and and um, recruits Ray to be his. Yeah, to be the new pilot because, um, well, not only Ricky, but I guess they, I guess Ricky and Ray both joined in the military. Yeah. Um, yep. Which, to me, actually, to me, it does like if you put yourself like in their kind of shoes, it's like as kids they were you know, on the street there, but then they're helping out getting information and even you know, getting into fights or whatever, helping out Moon Knight, you know, mm-hmm. take on bad guys. And then as they get older, they're like, oh, well, we can go do this. Like, this will be like our careers. We'll go into the military and that's basically what we'll do. So mm-hmm. it, it, it makes sense to have that, have them come to do that. And, um, and I have somewhere down here, uh, that uh, Ray ascending to be more involved with Mark and being like his pilot and stuff. It seems like a logical character yeah. progression because oh, yeah. that's that's what they were when they were younger too. So yes. it's, I, I like that whole thing. Oh no, yeah, absolutely. I think that works as well. And um, and again, it makes sense with Ricky. If it wasn't Ricky, it was going to be Ray that had more of an involved um, role with Mark. I think eventually. Uh, what does kind of bug me? And correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. As well, because the last we saw of Frenchie in that first arc, he was beaten with his own leg, right, rather viciously, and um, right. he, he was a, uh, and you know, not reading too much into it. But then, if you do read, imagine if you do read that first arc and straight into this, 
Frenchie would would even I'd think be even angrier at Mark for 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 being drawn back into this world because he wants to set up that restaurant with his um with his partner he doesn't want anything to do with it he says it over here as well I don't want anything to do with that life I've been to hospital too many times referring not only I guess to Mark but to himself um but maybe he's just a really forgiving guy because that's the last we saw of him in that first arc he was quite um he was accosted uh, beaten cruelly and and um yeah as part of the committee's um and the profile's plan yeah honestly it's been so long since i've read the bottom like really kind of completely forgot about that yeah. whole that whole bit um yeah i don't know maybe uh maybe yeah maybe it's just a super forgiving guy i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> um also, as well, just sticking with Jenner um, and jumping to, like, I guess, characterizations. In here, I got the sense that, um, I mean, there's nothing being really defined of, of, of how Jenner's meant to be portrayed, but she comes across here as a, a little older. Um, and I, and I, I guess with that and with Ricky and Ray being older as well, we're looking at a period now where even Mark... And I've, actually, I think that was that was discussed by the profile early on as well, how he's, he's a, a has-been. So this is like not Moon Knight in his prime. Um, so what Houston does is put Moon Knight in an era where he's really grizzled and 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 uh, um, and, and worn. Uh, and so mm. I think you see that with with Jenna because she she comes you know she she just looks like a, a li- little bit more um, advanced in age. Uh, it comes across. Uh, it struck me obviously um, because right. I'm always thinking of the Sinkevich run, and she's kind of I don't know would be in a early 40s or something like that she she definitely looks older in this um in in this iteration oh yeah yeah i noticed that too and they even make her seem a little bit stockier mm. um and uh, like her hair like i can't tell if, they, if there's gray intentionally yeah. in her hair or if that's just a shadow mm-hmm. um but yeah i'm used to her being looking younger and a little slimmer because then uh that's how she looks in the um in the lemire run lemire too, run like as well yeah when they're in the Asylum, if that's where they actually are, but mm. they make her like younger and slimmer, and uh, yeah. but yeah, so but yeah, I assume like if if we would put like a year like on this, um, like the year like in Moon Knight's career, like it would it would have to be after like I don't know maybe like close to ten years of him doing that. Um, yeah, it's hard. Obviously, with the Marvel sliding time scale, it's hard to put. Uh, it's hard to put a time or year or anything really absolutely (laughs) like like even um like the conflict that ricky and ray get involved in like at the time it's obvious that oh that's yeah that's the iraq war but like now again because of that because this came out you know 15 years ago if you would still take this as oh this is sort of you know after being 10 years uh you have to sort of update it and like i guess what they've done in in comics now is they've created like a fake like decades long war to suit to throw anybody who has that in their um like in like their background yeah like characters like the punisher and even like moon knight um yeah and like all them like it's called like this cyan kong war something like that so So like now like this will like that war now if this was being like retcon like that's what it would be yeah yeah Um, and that was, um, correct me if I'm wrong as well, that was listed in the Mark Wade's History of the Marvel Universe, which was released not that long ago. That, that, that was a huge 
decision by Marvel to to do this thing. I didn't I don't really like it. I mean, I'm happy for things to be retconned more and more. You know, like even with um to Iron Man, um and, and it being Afghanistan or before Vietnam and stuff. Um, but to create the I don't know. Well, what do you think? Yeah, having a, a fake decades long war to to capture everything. Uh, I see. I like it because eventually, um, like even now, like let's say for the Punisher, for example, the Punisher has always had his origin set in Vietnam. Yeah. But obviously, as time goes on, mm-hmm. and if you're going with aging, that's not going to work. Is no. uh, I mean, they did it with the Punisher Max, which that's yep. its own sort of thing, and that works good. But you can't have like eventually that'll run out. Like the problem like a problem that people brought up now is like, for example, for Magneto, Mm. Magneto's origin is set in the Holocaust. Yeah. Yes. As time goes on that, like that's 80 years ago now. Yes. Yeah. So even if he was 10 when that happened, he'd technically be 90. Now you can say they're mutants and (laughs) you know, he's a mutant. He has stuff. It slows down his aging. Okay. But eventually it's going to get to the point where it's been a hundred years ago and something's going to have to, something's going to have to change with it. Whereas if they go and have this, oh, we had this decades-long war, which is really only used just for... Because, yeah, because when all this is written, it was initially meant to be in either World War II Mm -hmm. and then either Korea or then Vietnam. But since we haven't really had any big conflicts like that, because I guess we have, but not to the degree degree where it has the same effects if that mm. makes sense yeah, yeah like again with the punisher it's like uh vietnam has some horrible horrible shit happening to it not mm. saying that all wars don't mm. but that one there's a big difference between what happened there and say the gulf war mm. like the first one because like as time went on like in the late 90s that's what it ended up becoming yeah um, so i like it and plus because with me sort of being interested in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, yeah. I'd like to see, I'd like to be like, okay, so what's the whole deal with this whole war? Why is it going on for decades? Yeah. What is it? What is it? Like, is it like, I don't know. Like, so it, no, it is interesting to me. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that would be a fun thing to kind of dive into, especially as you say, if, you, if you're into that kind of genre and, um, and it's, yeah, and I, I can see it because um, you then, and then you have to, you kind of try and see how it all fits within all the characters. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I um, yeah. Uh, anyway, it, it it's a good. There's a definitely heavy military um, kind of influence here from Ricky and Ray and and Mark and uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just just quite interesting. Um, now I'm gonna move back here. So uh, visuals. Oh, and again, sorry. Just we're talking about the ages and all that. Just again. So over here, uh, these couple of pages uh, where you do see Frenchie. He does look really old. I, I've got to say, Mark Spector's kind of like Paul Rudd. He just evergreen. He doesn't, he doesn't change. He still kind of looks youngish. Um, but Frenchie's, um, a lot, it looks a lot older as well. A lot older than Mark even, uh, which may have been the case earlier on, but, um, yeah, Mark's, Mark's holding up well for his, um, uh, for his age. Uh, so maybe, well, maybe not with all the crap that's going on in his face. No, he true. Bru- his bruises all over, which I didn't write this in the art thing, but I hate that little, I'm assuming it's supposed to be like a bruise, but it's like oh, a red that, patch. The red patch, yeah. It, and it looks like a clown. <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it looks like a, like a raggedy end doll. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. if it didn't have if it didn't have like the little like I don't know if they're supposed to be stitches or whatnot, mm. but it looks like it's just like sewn on it. It looks 
horrible. I yeah. It's so annoying. That could have been done a lot better, I think, as well. And and not only from David Finch's um, art, but maybe the colouring as well. You get the bruising happening rather than just the rouge to make it look like, you know, makeup. Um, right. But no, I totally agree. I, I like it how he's got that, um, the scar over his eye, which is very good as well. Uh, yeah, it's which it's is the Anakin Skywalker's story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it was um, issue one as well. We saw Bushman... I think do that to him, so that's um, that's in good good keeping. Um, on sticking with that as well, um, going back a couple of pages, what I loved uh, was this establishment by Houston and Finch to show Mark getting out of bed and just the constant creaks and grinds and and cracks of his bones and body as he was getting out of bed. It was actually to the point where I'm just thinking, hang on, is that from him or is there something happening outside? But I think it's meant to convey how worn and and battered his body is. And I think it's great. Yeah, at first I was confused too because I didn't know if, obviously because this is tied into the Civil War, I didn't know if that was like stuff that's going on outside. Mm. And he's like, fucking hell, like because yeah. like, he like was got woke up. I didn't really put it together that, oh, that's just his body doing that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and I think it's really hilarious that in like the first panel there's like six different automatons PS and he's just laying there still it's like what it's like if your body's in that bad shape you're cracking just by sitting still you got a problem he's got a massive problem like he's probably just wiggling his toes and figure each of them are like <laughs> cracking the other way but that really does convey how i just got that sense of how sore he would be and how stiff and stuff um really good and again that's following on from the first arc as well in the bottom where he's beaten, he's, he's got knees, you know, he's recovering, um, and he's not in his prime anymore. Uh, so, yeah. Um, the other so the other bit of um, the story as well, is sticking to kind of the plot. Uh, so over, I've just gone back another page, and we're looking at this introduction. We do know it's, I'll actually go back even further, we do know it is Jeff Wilde. Um, actually, Frenchie reveals that towards the end. We get this figure who's somewhat of a night nurse, it seems, um, and she's kind of helping him. Uh, I love the gore here. Like, he's still kind of insane. Like, you know, he's got, oh, ow, ow, ouchie. Yeah, I can feel that. She's ripped his jaw off, you know. She's doing some work on him. Um, and so he's, he, he kind of comes across as a, a terrifying character, much darker than Round Robin absolutely for sure um mm. nothing's explained as how he got out there we don't know at this point whether she is um that uh, i can't remember her name but in round robin whether she is that cybernetic nurse that helped him um uh, but we get these two figures here and i'd like to point out the reference to moon knight volume one issues nine and ten uh, the hideout where he's at, it's those elevated platforms, Josh, and, and that really just struck out to me straight away, the Anton Mogart Midnight Man's hideout, which we see in uh, The Mench Run. Uh, right, so, yeah, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, it's a nice little touch there from uh, from Houston and Finch, just a little nod to the original series, because we know Jeff Wilde is the son of, of Midnight Man. Um, so uh, I thought the touch with these... Um, <sighs> I thought the touch with these clocks was a little unnecessary. <laughs> like, uh, sure, he's got this midnight theme happening, but um, it it doesn't doesn't really add anything for me. Doesn't really make much sense for me. Um, but I guess it's a good visual. 
Yeah, and plus it's like, where does he get like all those clocks at? Like, yeah. the the only thing I can think of in uh, uh, maybe some listeners will pick up where I'm coming from, but there's <laughs> there's an episode of SpongeBob where they're him and Squidward are trying to get to work first, and SpongeBob breaks uh, breaks his clock, and then he Squidward just gets another one, and they keep breaking it, and then it's really he has just a whole closet full of clocks. Like that's what I'm assuming that he has yeah. for this, and like they're all <laughs> and they're all set to go off at midnight, then he just breaks them just every time him. it goes off. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. Well, you know, maybe he's insane. Maybe that's part of his insanity. Um, uh, you can you, you you can nitpick this until the cows come home as well. Like you know, how does he get up there on that platform? How, yeah, that's not very practical. All that sort of stuff. But aesthetically, it's pretty cool. Um, it's, it's good visuals. I like to point out as well. Uh, not only um, uh, Finch, but the inks and the the colors here really are really good. I, I love the lighting from that den. Um, it, it comes from the top, and it really does come across. And the detail from Finch, he puts in the bricks and everything. You know, you don't get that much with many artists. I know Greg Smallwood loves detail as well, but it really does pay off here. Yeah, I, do. I wonder if it's because we never really see either of their faces because they're constantly in shadow, or we only see like a bit of their hands, or a bit of their arms, or a bit of their heads, or whatever. So it's just like, well, I'm not really putting any work in the bodies. Maybe I'll put yeah. more more work in the backgrounds, mm. so you know, upset the environment, yeah. um, which I think works. But it's really, I mean, he's really got an eye for like a, if I can call it like set design. I mean, it's 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 great. I mean, he's got the, these loose cables and it just all adds to that really grimy. Um, I think the wiki called it an underground. I don't think it's underground. I think, it, well, actually, it could be. That that's what um, that's what uh, Anton Mogart's one was. It was near the sewers, right, or the the stormwater. Uh, this could be the same. But to me, it looked like I don't know something elevated at the side of a building. Um, but it's good. Never no, I, I think it's like either inside a building or in yeah. some sort of tunnel or something. And I think it is because uh, after reading this, I sort of just page to the rest because I really didn't remember what happened. But there's mm. a bit where him and that uh, the nurse, they're in like a storm drain. Oh, and, like, okay. you see him like looking out. So I assume that it's connected to the sewers or okay. something like that. Yeah, to be honest as well, I can't remember too much from this other than there are two um, scenes that I do remember. One is that torture scene with Moon Knight. We'll get to later down down the issues. Uh, very graphic as well. Uh, and the other one was where I think they're fighting and Moon Knight chucks some, some weights at him. And I thought I always thought that was um, pretty cool because, you know, mm-hmm. anyone that you know goes to the gym and stuff, you know, weight's obviously quite heavy. Using that as a, as a throwing weapon, pretty impressive. Uh, so those are the small <laughs> takeaways. Um, but any, you had uh, another note here, Josh, about the writing in particular. Uh, I just said I just love the goofy Conchu. Yep. Um, and he reminds me of the genie because he's constantly changing, like what he looks like and stuff. Yeah. Because when he first shows up, he's just uh, oh, let me find the page here. Uh, he first he's just like normal with a glass of wine, and then he has like the cool guy sunglasses on. Yeah, yeah. And then, is, yeah. and then. And then the next time you see him, there uh, was he's in the car, and then he's wearing like he has like the press, uh, yeah. the press junket on yeah, with the tie, and yeah, with, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I just love it and how yeah he's just yeah he's just much more goofy, and I yeah. find that really funny. Like he's not like the um, I guess even more recently, I guess Contra can be goofy, but it's, it's different when it's that eyeless bird skull compared to. Yeah. Uh, Basically, sort of just like reminds me of the Red Skull, to be honest. Mm. Um, 
just something about it is just funny. And then obviously at the very end, when like Captain America gonna... shows up, we <laughs> see him in the um in the classic the Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam, like the I want you pose. Like yeah. I I love it. And I even love like not to jump ahead to the next issue, but um obviously in the next one, Captain and Mark talk and throughout their whole talk, like Conchu is just like, Yeah, kill him. Kill him, yeah, <laughs> fuck him, just kill him right now. Yeah, yeah fuck him. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just hilarious. It, it, I, I would just love, I would love to see Mark talk with all the heroes in the universe, uh, in the Marvel universe, just to, uh, just to hear what Kanchu has to say to him, like in the background. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I don't know, just like, yeah. oh yeah, oh, I talk talking to Tony Stark. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that that armor might look pretty slim, but I see you grab an extra donut every every meeting. Yeah, I know, <laughs> just yeah. something like that. Like, I think it would just be funny. Oh no, no, for sure. And I, I think I think Houston. Um, I'm just thinking in the chronology of things. Um, this is a really different take of, of Conchu and, and you see it carried on with Vengeance of the Moon Knight as well where he is that kind of literal devil on the shoulder. To me it reminds me of, um, I haven't seen the movie in ages, but American Werewolf in London um, about his best friend who gets killed by the werewolf and then his his image is kind of like his subconscious as well, um, the lead actor, uh, and he's kind of gory. He's like, he, he sees his, his friend mangled. like um, It's kind of like Conchu and then as the movie come, goes along, he's slowly decaying and getting worse. Um, I don't know, I just see it here because, um, not Conchu, yeah, Conchu, because Bushman's face has been ripped off and it's quite gory. Uh, but I do I do like the the, um, the goofiness of it as well. Like, so if we're going back to that um, press guy, he's got a microphone as, as well. You know, he's got the little press hat. It's all, it's all pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so it, I think it is, it, it is an important note because it is a very... I, th- I think a very Houston esque um, trait of, of the, and then we get later on the the Warren Ellis, which is the more remembered now of the the bird, the conchu skull that's been taken on board, and more recently we've gone back to well, actually the bird skull is still there in Avengers thirty three, but we've gone back to if you look at the uh, the annual um, with Kang, Acts of Evil. Uh, and Serpent War, he's become back that that statue of Conchu. They've taken the the more classic look to him again. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I certainly like this as well. Um, so sticking, well, actually going back. Also, we were talking. You were talking about Captain America. I wanted to talk about the ties now with uh, Civil War. So. For those that haven't read it, I mean, oh, I'm not going to get into the. We're not going to get into the whole thing about Civil War, but basically, heroes versus hero registration act. Um, all you need to know is that Captain America is is against it. Um, Spidey is with it, uh, and you see, there's a there's a picture here as well where Mark looks at. You can tell Mark's take on on it as well. Uh, he hasn't actually. Um, joined aside yet, but there's this there's this um, panel there where he's looking. Well, one, he's trying to fix the moon copter. He can't do it. Um, uh, Samuels comes in saying, "Would you like a tea or something? Uh, or, or you know, what what would you like to do with these old uh, weapons, which were the um, Fistaconchu weapons? Um, you know, he says pack them up. Uh, but then he he looks at the papers that he has next to his um you know in his workspace, and it's of like how you know, uh, terrible crimes are still happening in the city. And it's got a picture of Peter Parker, uh, Registration Act, and he just says, you know, a-holes about it. You can see that he doesn't... He's against it. He's very... It seems he's very much against the registration um, because he... That's what what I took it as. 
Mm. I mean, would yeah. you say the same? Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he's annoyed at the crime still around there, how this Registration Act hasn't hasn't improved it in any sense. And yeah. Um, but it's interesting because he does, his interaction with Spidey, what did you think of the, the beginning, um, the opening of this, this arc? Um, I thought Spidey was a little out of place here, actually, to be honest. Yeah, same here, because it's like he doesn't really do anything. No. I guess it's I guess it's just to be like, oh, well, maybe he's going to talk, try, yeah, try to recruit him. Mm. But, like, they don't even really have the conversation. And then, yeah, and then, and then he just fucks off. Like, that's really, yeah. It's like, why is he on? I, I, I get why he's on the cover. Yeah. But why is he on the cover? Yeah, like, it yeah. It does nothing for the story. Like, after, what, two pages, he's done. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I guess. Yeah, sorry. Um. I lost my train of thought. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm just thinking, and, and the Spidey that I know, with the stuff that Moon Knight's doing, like, he even, Spidey's just, just there against the wall watching Moon Knight um, carve that crescent uh, moon into the guy's forehead, you, you know? The, the Spidey I know would, would be stopping him. He'd probably go up against Moon Knight and, and would not take any of this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But he's he's got a lot more of a... Uh, backseat nature in this and and so for me it's um i don't think houston's really done spidey justice here and and with him not doing it justice it just seems for me more and more as you say you know why he's on the front cover it seems like the only reason he's in here is to to have a a token and money and and token connection (laughs) a token connection to the civil war you know Uh, but as you say he doesn't do much and, and he doesn't really seem like spidey to me yeah, because he really just like even like the like the oh, I guess the opening splash page that has like the title and everything on it. Like, yeah. if you look at what Moon Knight's doing, it looks like he just explodes a guy's head. Yeah, and Spider Man exactly. just like just stop, just stop. It's like when two people like when you're with a friend, yeah, uh, or like two friends are together and one gets into a fight and they only just do just stop, man, just stop. It's not worth <laughs> it, but they don't physically do anything <laughs> to break do. it up. Yeah, that's what it, that's what this is like. It's like you could easily like like web them away. Like at one point, even his spider sense goes off, yeah. and he still doesn't really do anything. He's and... way stronger than Moon Knight, you know. Maybe he's scared yeah. of him because Moon Knight is a pretty scary character in in the Houston run. But even then, Spidey. I mean, Spidey's faced venom. He's faced carnage. You know, I'm sure he can. Not to say I want him to take on Moon Knight, but I'm sure he would stop him um, acting this way. But he doesn't. So um, maybe it's got something to do with him being unsure about the registration. Who who knows? You can you could really um, argue the point. Um, also, as well, Captain America, Josh. So we know Captain America is against it. He's one of the uh, resistance, I guess you you call it. Um, and so he wants to have words with Moon Knight. Um, what did you What did you make of of this? Uh, going to again for people who haven't read it. Going to recruit him. Um, going to slap him on the wrists for his work because he's been doing very serious crime fighting slash torture to to, to criminals. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, realistically, we only get about we only get one speech mm. bubble from cap so the conversation doesn't happen in this one um but i do like how he doesn't call him he doesn't you know call him by his name or doesn't reference his mood he calls him soldier yeah yeah so obviously that that's the angle this is sort of going to go towards because yeah. obviously Captain america is a super soldier yeah. and um and uh mark is obviously a former marine and i guess 
veterans always have like they have like yeah. a different connection than other people, which obviously makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I like that. But oh, I, like I that think well. I, if I do remember correctly, the the conversation between them ends with Moon Knight saying "fuck off" or something. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, I think he makes a comment about um, Captain America and, and Iron Man just getting a room or something. Right? Oh, I don't know. I can't oh, remember. I can't right. remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So he he seems to be a thorn in both sides, both camps. Um, uh, and he's very much he's very much the lone wolf here, Moon Knight. I mean, we know later on as well. We've covered. We've done the review of the issue, um, issue fourteen. I think it's one of a lot of Looney's favorite issues. That um, psych evaluation with Moon Knight, and he, and he gets his card. Remember that. Um, but then at the end, he just tosses it away. So he really does. He really does. I guess sit on the fence for this. He is really more about. I don't care about any of this shit. I just want to hurt bad guys. And um, uh, he's really on the outer. So um, yeah. Uh, again, Captain America. That one thing. And you see the next issue. He's in there. The next issue. Just there for a tease. Just there to get him. Uh, and Civil War tied in with with Moon Knight. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Any any um uh any comments about the art here, Josh? Um, yeah. The only the well, like I said, like the art is good. Obviously, all of Finch's art looks real cinematic. But I only just put this together, put this thought together as I was reading this. But uh, his faces are real puffy, and it always reminds me of Howard Chaykin's art because he has real puffy faces too. Oh, okay. And it always looks so odd to me for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and uh, yeah, and I already mentioned that little red spot on Mark's face that drives me nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not too familiar with Howard Chaykin's art, so um, I can't make the comparison. What do you think? There's some comments as well that um, Finch's art, the faces are a little samey as well. I can see it a little, um, but it, it doesn't really deter me that much, to be honest. Um. I, I I can see where they're coming from. I mean, I mean Finch. I mean, not Finch. Frenchie looks quite different, actually. There's a particular look to Frenchie's face. Um, you know, yeah, but, but then he, you think, he, yeah. he he looks like an actor, but I can't put a name to the actor. I think he looks like um, he does. Doesn't maybe he? that's what. Yeah, I, I, just, I just can't. It's he looks, he looks like a like a that guy, like a famous that guy, but yeah. I can't think of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but having said that, as well, uh, if you look. I'm looking a bit later here where, and I like this conversation with um, uh, um, Ray and Mark. Uh, they're talking about, and that, that's where it comes out about um, about Jenna's feelings about Mark and stuff. A very very important conversation because it um, it highlights um, where their where their journey, you know, where it's taken them basically, where Ricky and Ray have gone on from here. But yeah, I can I can kind of see it there maybe with Ray's face similarity between Ray's face and Mark's face um, slightly but yeah um, mm, okay. but, but overall I mean I think I, I'm really impressed with the art just just the level of detail I think and, and, and Danny Mickey and, and um, Crime Lab Studios inks are just um, are they the inks? Uh, are, are just uh, yeah are just are really good I think they really suit um, David Finch's art Um just going on further, uh, look, the themes that I put down, the main themes for this story is this reconnect with his support network. Um, so he's slowly 
getting Ray and getting Frenchie on board. We haven't seen... We've seen Crawley in the first arc. We don't see him kind of again. There's a bit more of a distant relationship, it seems, with Mark and, and Crawley. Um, so he's not featured here. Uh, Jenna hates his guts. Um, we saw Marlene in the first arc as well. Uh, there, the relationship is quite tenuous. Um, but yeah, uh, this is really about Mark trying to capture... And it seems like he's got Frenchie on board, which, as I mentioned before, I think is... Uh, I don't know. I, uh, I just wasn't convinced in the setup to, to get him on board. Maybe I think I felt Mark needed to do a lot more to try and get Frenchie on board. But as I said, maybe he's very forgiving because he'd been put through the ringer. He constantly tells Mark here, like, and I've got the page up here. He constantly says, um, "Look over here." He goes, um, "I'm not a soldier anymore. I'm not a mercenary, and uh, your fight." And he says some French stuff. It was never mine. I have never. Uh, I have had enough of hospitals. And then Mark just says, "I know, I know, but Jean Paul, I need help." And then there's a little shot of him considering it. And then he's in the car, and it's kind of like, "Okay, you kind of got me, Mark. I, I'm, I'm kind of half willing to help you now." Um, I thought I would have thought the rift was a lot hard, a lot more difficult than that. But I understand Houston might be just wanting to, to move this along a bit more, a bit more, try to get them together. Yeah, I guess because, I mean, I think we would all know that Frenchie would jump back on board anyways. Do we really need to stretch it out over two or three issues, mm. or do we just want to just just get the ball rolling? Which yeah. I think was the right choice. Well, I, I mean, I, I love Frenchie. I liked it to see him going there, but. You know, another surprising thing for me would have been maybe if Frenchie just doesn't, and and maybe Mark then takes on board someone else. You know, as a um, the helicopter. But I do love how um, you get the the small bit here. I'll go back to those um, to that panel where you see Mark trying to fix the mooncopter himself. <laughs> what does he say? He goes. Where does this? Oh, he goes. And where the hell is this supposed to go? He's got no idea, so he needs help. Um, he, he definitely needs some help. Um, but yeah, uh, other smaller things I mentioned. The same kind of next page. Uh, those old weapons, uh, referencing Fisticonchu, the older run as well. A little nod there. He's got his little capsules of, of Moon Knight uh, costumes. Uh, I don't know why they kept in capsules. Uh, that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, that's weird because. It looks like they're just a glass. So do they have to lift the dome off to yeah. get it, or the doors? Like it's not really sit, not really. You can't really see very well, but it's just it's just an odd design. It is. And, it is. I mean, and, so, yeah. and I do wonder, like, what? Okay, so Sam was like, "Oh, and these as well." He's asking about the oh, the yes. Contra artifacts, mm-hmm. and then oh, he says, "Pack them up." But I guess I don't know. I don't remember. Are they moving to a different spot? Because they keep referencing the estate, but I always thought all this shit was in the estate. So mm. true, unless he's got like some sort of safe house somewhere. Or I, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like I think the estate is out of the city, right? So I think this is one of his, you know, safe houses in this in the city because it looks like where that car is. Uh, this I still have some work to do. Um, so maybe he's got, yeah, like the Punisher might have some safe houses peppered around. He's got a whole moon copter <laughs> there, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> a couple of them, like, ha- for yeah. three of them actually. Three, yeah. Is the old ones there. He's got the like dodgy the old one. one. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> actually, that's it. That's an, another nod to the older runs. The really daggy, uh, moon copters are in there as well. But you're right. Actually, he has that, like the moon cave at the bottom of the estate where usually all this is kept. Um, but he apparently has another 
property here somewhere. So, um, yeah. Uh, and I'm um, just looking through here. Uh, other than that, characterizations. I think we've, we've gone through. Any anything else here, Josh, that you'd like to point out? Uh, yeah, just a couple things. Um, on the next page, like uh, when you mentioned that uh, Mark is looking at all the Civil War stuff and papers on top mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, if you look on the there's a, in the panel underneath, he's walking away. Mm-hmm. And sticking out from that pile is another paper that says another midnight kill killer victim. Mm. So obviously, this has been happening for a while, but he just hasn't been noticing it because of all the civil war stuff going on. So you can really sort of see like where his attention is sort of at, even though he doesn't really take a side, it's sort of saying, showing like just how big this whole conflict in the yeah. superhero world is going on. I mean, that's a good point because it, it takes Frenchie actually to remind him or tell him, notify him about midnight, um, towards, uh, towards the end. Right. Um, where is he? Uh, so, oh yeah. Um, so he's he's there. Uh, Frenchie's gotten out of the car, uh, and he says, um, uh, "Yeah, when when you find Wild, be careful." And Mark doesn't even know. Like, find who? He, he's got those clippings, but it just doesn't click. So it's a good point that you're saying that he's quite distracted with Civil War, um, and and uh, Frenchie has to say, "Wild, Jeffrey, the annoying boy." <laughs> Which is, which is, uh, I like it. A nice little nod to, because he was annoying. Actually, I found him a, a very annoying character. Um, so a little, a little uh, tip of the hat there to to the to the fans, I think. Um, but yeah, the clock killer claims the third. So um, yeah, uh, and yeah, and then there's not really much to it. It just sets up with um, with Mark, who I'm assuming. See again, that's not his estate. He goes into a rundown apartment again. We're talking about, like the second last page, and that's where his statue of Conchu is because Steve Rogers is there waiting for him. Okay, you know what? Now that I'm looking closer at that thing, so he's walking in the building. The sign of the building says Spectre Galleries. Oh, now okay. I assume well because in that in that Fist of Conchu run, he was like an art collector or something. So I guess uh, that must have been the building, and I guess that's where he's been staying. So I guess he has his stuff there, and he's moving all of it there back to the estate. I guess, and that makes sense that the the statue's there. I mean, but we did he does have a statue at his estate. We saw that in the in the bottom as well. You know, where he's brooding in the mansion, um, and and Conchu, and we see for the first time Bushman. Um, but yeah, he he has he definitely has another one there because Steve Rogers is standing there, and just in case you didn't know, it was Steve Rogers? You can see his chainmail under his uh, military stuff. <laughs> um, uh, but interesting as well, just this last page, um, Netta uh, grabs Mark, um, Sir, Mister Grant. Sir, I mean, Mister Spectre. Sir, yeah, what Netta? You have a visitor. The first thing he thinks of Marlene, um, so she's obviously. Um, not far from his mind, uh, but no, it's not Marlene at all, uh, because they had a bit of a tiff. It's Steve Rogers, so yeah, sets it up for, for that. Um, yeah, yeah, a good pickup there, Spectre Galleries. That's again another reference. I, I like how they do nod to the older runs. Mm. It's really cool. Um, let's see, just going through anything else. Uh, no. One thing about one thing about midnight, they make him 
a fucking horn dog. <laughs> yeah, 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 it, yeah, and uh, he, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Crabs. There's a lot of innuendo as well. Uh, yeah, um, and it's also revealed. It's also revealed that because the reason he is all cyborg is because he got blasted by that uh, that like ray thing from the Secret Empire. Secret Empire. Yeah, it's like. One of those, it, it's one of those questions where you have like when you have like disfigured uh, characters in mm. fiction. It's like, well, what about you know the thing? Is that still functioning or not? And they answer the question here: No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, what, where's that? What does uh, that... it says? Where the hell is it? Um, oh, hold on, I gotta find it. Yeah. Uh, He said, I'm going to make sure I can feel every little thing. Um, yeah. Oh, here we go. It says, yeah, you know what? You know where I really like, to, like some feeling, don't you? And then she says, it wouldn't be professional. Besides, I told you before, there simply isn't enough material remaining. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Maybe that's why he's so pissed off. Oh, yeah, you would be. You <laughs> <laughs> would be. So... Um, yeah, but he's uh, he's very very horny for it. Um, some gratuitous shots there of a, a butt shot from again what seems like to be not a nurse. She has the nurse hat, um, but she's willing to, to. She's not surprised at his um, condition at all. Um, she she uses ghastly tools on him. She rips his lower jaw his jawbone off. Um, so she's working on him. So I guess we'll find out who she is a bit later on. But um, sets them up. Um, yeah, let's see how that goes. Uh, I like I like how Samuel and Netta are here as well. Like they're not forgotten. Uh, even Netta has a a little bit at the end there. Um, mm-hmm. But Samuel's was featured and Netta actually in the first arc, so that's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, if there's nothing else, then Josh, unless you uh, have any other points here. No, I mean, that's pretty much that's pretty, pretty much all the thoughts that I had. Yeah, me too. Other than uh, final thoughts, again, I'm going back to the splashes. Mooney, looking, uh, Finch does a, a very cool Mooney. Uh, I don't know. I like that art. It's obviously, is ripped to the max. Is a comic book character, <laughs> you know. Um, so, uh, and he is uh, clothing skin tight. But, um, yeah, very cool. Very dark. Uh, love it. So, anyway... Uh, I guess with uh, with all that discussion and the fact that it is a setup issue, um, I'll turn it to you to give your final rating. So, what would you give this Midnight Volume Five, Issue Seven, uh, Part One of Midnight Sun? Um, I'm probably gonna go for a probably like a six out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I think it's a, a good setup, and but not really too much happens. I mean, there are some interesting stuff, but it's like. I wouldn't be like I wouldn't give this to someone and be like oh here you want to read Moon Knight here read this one to be like you have to like sort of really be into it I think yeah and invest it into what's going on um, I do like how it illustrates and it really this is just a tie into Civil War also mm-hmm. um, but it is cool to give us Moon Knight's perspective on what he feels about it because he really just doesn't give a shit um, yeah. which 
is how I how I kind of am in real life. So, <laughs> but overall, but just as a, uh, but just yeah, it's it's just a lot, of, just a lot of talking and setting up, and not much else going on. So, not bad, but just. It's just okay. So, well, waning gibbous. Uh, yeah, a lower end waning gibbous um, for loonies keeping score. Uh, look, I, I tend to agree with you, Josh, as well. Um, as much as I like the Finch run, it, it's a hard act to follow following the bottom. I, I thought that was a really, really strong, tight six part, um, you know, reintroduction to Moon Knight. Uh, it really set the stage. And to finish that arc and then to come into this one, have it also to have. It's tied in with Civil War is a hard thing to do. How do you make it interesting? Jeff Wilde is a classic villain, so it's good to have him in there. But this issue very much a setup issue, uh, despite the good art um, and and there's plenty of dialogue as well. Uh, there's a lot of of characterizations and getting into the relationships between Mark and a lot of his primary support cast. Uh, it wasn't it, it didn't really kind of get any sort of adrenaline going when I was reading it, you, you know what I mean? Um, so you gave it a 6 out of 10. I gave it a 6.5. I, in that, I would give it a 6. Um, the point five is really because I'm a Moon Knight fan. I mean, I, I think if if anything, as you say, if, if someone came in cold um, and weren't a fan but were curious of Moon Knight, I think they wouldn't be too interested in this. But the fact that this is Moon Knight, I get to see Moon Knight, uh, it kind of bumps it up a little just because, you know, he, he's in it. <laughs> um, yeah. But other than that, it's not... It's not really a spectacular issue. Um, I can't remember, as I said, too much of what happens later on, Josh, and um, I'm hoping, despite what you said about it not being a good run that you remembered, I'm hoping that it does kind of get a lot better. Uh, as I said, I've only known bits and pieces. I'm looking forward to, to Miko Suyan's art. I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. Um, he's a, a fellow Filipino, a great artist. Um, so he, I know he does... Um, some some of the issues but yeah i think a, a lower end waning gibbous um i've got the 6.5 so um you know that's about a mid waning gibbous um so there you go loonies uh check it out uh, by all means it's um uh if you do like the the bottom uh it is worthwhile reading the whole houston run and it's actually it's worthwhile reading all of the runs basically get gets into benson to see what happens with moon knight um but if you like i, I actually like the civil war um uh event it's a huge event i actually want to reread it all again um and read everything you know because they're, they're massive amounts of crossover tie-ins and stuff uh, i've only mm. got the trade of the the core books but i really want to read all the other associated issues um but yeah, Moon Knight is very much detached from the whole event. Um, so there you go. Uh, well, with that, uh, look, feedback. I, I didn't really, um, I didn't really get any discussion thread up there. But by all means, please, I might post one up. Um, you know, after this uh, episode is recorded, uh, please get in your thoughts. Uh, happy to read them out as well, and uh, and to see what everyone else thought of this issue. It's an interesting one. Um, but at this time, uh, nothing in our night lines. Uh, Josh, uh, a big thanks for coming onto the show again. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks for asking me to come on. Yeah, it's always always fun. I'm going to leave uh, the video there with the splash page of Moon Knight there, looking like bashing a head or something. Uh, it's it's, oh, it's you know one of the missed opportunities. He hasn't got his cestus, you know, the spiked knuckles. That would have been really good. Anyway, uh, that's just uh, me. But... Oh yeah. <laughs> um, Spectacle, 
Look, loonies, uh, just a little reminder. So we are recording on the weekend. So it's um, uh, it's the 20th of June. Um, so just a little spectacle, a little reminder that on the 22nd of June, uh, Disney XD will be airing their Maximum Venom. It's Marvel's uh, Spider-Man, the animated series, Season 3, Episode 3. I believe it's titled Vengeance of Venom. It has Moon Knight in there. So um, we'll, we'll see Moon Knight in, in animated form once again. So for those keen, check out, um, I think it, I believe it's Hulu and Disney XD and stuff. I'm not too sure with the US contingent of, of where you can find it. But uh, June 22nd. And I just want to mention, we do have a watch party, which I'm, I'm very keen to, to host where we can actually all watch it. Um, I'm going to push that out because I am going back to work in the office as of next week, so I won't be able to sneak in um, during the week. So I'm going to push it to maybe the 25th, which is the Thursday. Um, so I'll update the events calendar there. Anyone keen, um, just just accept um, you know, the invitation, and uh, I'll be using 2.7, which I believe is a, a platform where you, we can all watch it in sync, which will be which would be pretty fun. But, uh, Josh, uh, any interest in seeing... Uh, are you into animated series at all? Or? Uh, I'm into the, one from, the ones from the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. Like the Marvel ones, because I watched all the Spider-Man one, and I rewatched all the Iron Man one um, ah, nice. a couple of weeks ago. Um, I haven't watched any of this, but I'm going to... like. I, obviously, I completely forgot about it until I just read it on the, on the prompt sheet here, but um, I'm going to make sure I set it to record on the DVR, and I'm, I'm going to watch Awesome. Yeah. Um. I think I posted up on Facebook. There's a there's a little preview. You see, like three seconds. Moon Knight, and he looks pretty cool in it. I think he's all white, um, which is um pretty fun. So not the Declan Shelby, uh, version. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to to see it. I I'm going through the the Spider-Man '90s series myself. Um, trying to watch it with Finn. He he seems to like Spider-Man. Uh, he doesn't get all of it, but um, it's an excuse for me to watch to watch it as well. So, um. <laughs> I like it. It's good. The ninety Spider Man's really cool. Um, yeah, it is. It's awesome. It's yeah, like, it's one of those things that it's it's like um, one of the, one of the things like whenever I think of like certain eras, I always think of like a certain continuity and forget everything else about it. Mm. And that's one of the things that that show does. Like it's like oh, it's mainly the continuity is mainly like you know your classic like sixties seventies continuity. Mm. And I sort of like that, even though at the time when it was airing. That's what I call like the clone saga shit was going on, but it sort of takes place in that uh, sort of like that golden era, era Spider-Man. I think everyone really thinks of. But if, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like to me, like when I'm thinking, of, oh, what do I think of Spider-Man? Oh, I think about when he's like, you know, maybe not a teenager, but like uh, you know, maybe nineteen, twenty year old, and yep. he's face off against the Sinister Six for the first time. A lot of the origins and stuff. Well, it's like, oh, but that happened all like. 40 years ago mm. now he, he's come up with you know he's oh, had his yeah. own company and is stuff that, yeah, yeah. it's like all all like the recent stuff like i don't even take part of and that, that's one of the things i like about that spider-man series it's it sort of just takes all like the like the golden age of his yeah. stuff and just amplifies it well I, I think that's a seminal period for him like being in that because uh it's funny like, yeah i was talking to one of my co-hosts as well and he's he's a big spider-man fan as well and he's saying uh, it's so weird how the MCU focuses on Spider-Man in high school because that was only really in comics. That was only a very small portion. Uh, he actually leaves mm-hmm. high school, and most of it is yeah the, the young kind of years after high school and going to college and stuff. And and, and I love that kind of era myself as well. Um, um, I've just I just read the 
I just finished reading the um, again the Cosmic Spidey Adventures. Uh, so we're talking about eighty nine ninety, um, and he's all he's all kind of he's he's working for the Daily Bugle, but he's uh, he, he you know he's kind of young twenties. Right. Yeah, I, I I do wonder. Like, I, it always did kind of weird me out where people were like, "Oh, well, he has to be a kid. He has to mm. be in high school." But it's like, realistically, he was in high school for like thirty issues, and that's yeah. it. I mean, maybe because more people have got accustomed to the Ultimate Spider-Man, which mm. I've never read, but I assume that more of that is him being younger. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's why people are more attached to that. But like, yeah. if you go back to like the original continuity, he graduates by like issue 35 or something like that. Yeah. I don't remember, but it's very short. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Everyone has this obsession of him always being in school. Like. Yeah. I think it's also the, the Stan Lee, the, the concept of him, like, um, you know, the, the way he was marketed as in like a teenager, you know, being awkward and, and, uh, uh, you know, being a, a nerd at school and, and all that. So that was, that was the thing. That was actually what set him apart from a lot of the the heroes of that time. He was a younger version. He wasn't like your Reed Richards or your your Captain America. So I, I think that's probably why as well. But um, yeah, I'm totally I totally agree. It, um, the older, slightly older versions, um, yeah, really good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but and no, another thing with that too is obviously, obviously, like as he was writing, you know, that was in what '63 is when it first came out, and then. Yeah, by like 65 or 66, he graduated. Because at the time, there was no idea of a sliding time scale. It's like, well, mm. this is what we're doing now. Yeah. We don't know that this is going to be going on for 40 years yeah. for now. Like, that's their problem then. Now yeah, it's exactly. like, well, we've been, well, well, I've written two years worth of stuff. He was 15. Now he's 17. Yep. He's a senior. He's going to graduate. So, I mean, then it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, sense, yeah. yeah, and they couldn't freeze him. Like, you, there's only so many. You can have two years of him being, like, you know, the one year. Although these days, that's, you know, a drop in the ocean compared to, you know, yeah, right. now. So, um, but, yeah, anyway, Loonies, uh, check it out. Uh, if you're keen into that, um, I'll definitely will be as well. And we'll be, we'll see if we can get that watch party happening. That'll be very exciting. Um, next phase is episode 152 will be a waxing gibbous. And now this segment is new, uh, as mentioned in episode 150, this will be the other side of the moon and other side of the moon is basically, I wanted to, to branch it out to anything tangential to moonlight, you know, um, uh, in comics, let's cover. Um, and, uh, so this is, this is what we're going to do next week. Uh, it's, uh, what if it's, um, issue 44 from volume two, what if Venom had possessed the Punisher, which sounds pretty cool. Midnight apparently has a, as a cameo. I don't know how much of a cameo he's got in it, but, uh, he's in there. So, <laughs> uh, that, that's, it's legitimate. Uh, so anyway, that will be, that'll be a lot of fun. The other side of the moon. Um, I'm not sure. Have you read many what ifs Josh as well? Uh, no, I've only read a couple. Um, I'm trying to remember. I think was did someone mentioned recently on the show that they've read the um like one of their favorites was the what if uh craven killed spider-man yes that makes yes it was um it was on the isla ra with matt kona um okay the, yeah yeah i read that one that one was pretty cool was it um yeah yeah because basically i mean spoiler uh but basically because oh okay if you've read crazy last hunt craven "Quote unquote," kills Spider Man, but it's real that uh, he actually just drugged him and you know buried him alive. But mm. in this case, he actually kills him, and because also in that story where uh, 
Craven then dresses up as Spider-Man and is going around mm-hmm. and trying to be the the the, the, the superior Spider-Man. Yeah. But because he goes too far and he's like killing people, or whatever, like. J. Jonah Jameson then is like, oh, I really hate Spider-Man now. He's even more of a menace. And then it eventually leads to, like, superheroism being completely outlawed. And, like, the country just goes to shit because of it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I I love what ifs because they they really do take it to the nth, uh, uh, you know, and and they make a point of it as well. You know, we, we pick these extreme... Um, examples of what would happen um so yeah that that sounds like fun i don't believe i've read that uh, i've read i remember um what if wolverine was an agent of shield that was one of the early rob liefeld uh, issues uh, yeah i found that actually back here and it's a, a little bit of it's been eaten by i don't know what um mice or <laughs> so the edges of mine are all kind of like um bitten away but uh, yeah, I love what ifs as well. I think they're I think they're pretty cool. Generally, a little a little darker. And this one, I mean, Venom um, had possessed the Punisher. That that's carnage, you know, you know, uh, ensuing yeah, right. for sure. Uh, so that will be next. It's, Sorry, it is funny how like all what what ifs. It's always like you know this thing that happened. What if it got? What if it happened like ten times worse? It's never like yeah, I know yeah something yeah. good where it's like what if Iron Man uses money to actually help the world more, yeah. <laughs> you know, or something like that. that it's that... always like, what if, what if, uh, instead of Uncle Ben dying, what if both Uncle Ben and Aunt May died? It's like, oh, jeez. Like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, it, because the good stuff, what if, the good stuff's just boring, Josh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there, there are some more interesting ones, like one yeah. that, like, this ties into actually what I'm reading, the Sergeant Fury, but there's one, uh, it's like, what if Sergeant Fury fought World War Two in space? It's like, wow, that's more of like, a, that's more of a weird, but funny one too. I want to track that down, track that one down, and read it. Yeah, that's a weird one. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about like positive ones. I haven't read it as well, but I think isn't there one like, what if Karen Page lived or something? Again, that could have a have a sad ending or something. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I think that was one of them. Uh, but anyway, there, there are plenty of them. I think in complete collections, there's about what, four volumes coming out. So there's a lot of, and there've been a couple of a couple of like volumes like, runs. So there's plenty. Anyway, so we'll get into that next week, loonies. Uh, should be a hoot. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, as always, uh, we are part of Patreon. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash ITK Moonlight, please consider joining. Uh, like the good sir here, Josh. Uh, it's a lot of fun as well. You know, you're more than welcome to come onto the show as well, like Josh as well. It's really fun to just chat about Moonlight. Um, and we all know everyone loves Moonlight in the group. So it's um, it's always a fun time. Uh, again, sponsored by Hello Headphones. If you use the code ITK Moonlight, you'll get 10% off their online store. And uh, as I alluded to at the top of the show with Josh, Dreamland Comics, if you use the code MOON, you'll get 20% off, Josh. So if that doesn't convince you to go to Illinois, I don't know what will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As mentioned, we're affiliate members of Entertainment Earth. Uh, Please use the link to purchase any action figures. Uh, We know Moon Knight's got one coming up, a Walgreens exclusive. I don't know if you can pre-order it through there, but if you can, uh, give it a go. That will help the show as well. Uh, and finally, similar to episode 150, we're part of the collective. Uh, please just check them out; they're really cool, um, really fun. If you like your comics, uh, you like Josh a lot, myself, uh, a lot of varied loves. Um, there's 
something for at least someone you know so we got the stuff we got like nexus of all realities a man thing podcast which is very cool we are venomaniacs a venom podcast stuff like that um there was also another one on cloak and dagger so even if you if you liked um the first season cloak and dagger um i don't believe the podcast is is running now but um you can still catch up their back catalog they're very cool uh, finally, you can catch us on email at itkmoonight at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Discord, Get Vocal. We have a website on Libsyn WordPress. And uh, we're also on Podchaser. All this will be on our show notes. Um, check us out. If you want to rate us, please do. You can actually rate us through Podchaser as well. Um, that will help us. It will just help us get out there a bit more. Um, yeah, anyway... That's it for this episode. Thank you so much, Loonies, for listening. Uh, we've gone past the 150 now. Life is sweet. Um, read more Moon Knight. Uh, a big thanks once again, Josh. Josh, you're going to have to tear down that poster behind you. I don't... <laughs> I don't... <laughs> oh, well, I'll have to show you this wall over here, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and with that, Loonies, make country watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. See you guys. Moonite and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.